everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And again, hello everyone. This is Nashiba V Spirit E-Radio 7. Everyone, we like to encourage people to set their intentions however you'd like to frame it, but here's an example. Set the energy, frequency, and vibrations to embrace and claim, and as well as visualize universal intentions, thereby changing the matrix that we currently live in. Be peace, love, global harmony, and healing to all of God's rainbow tribes of our universe. Peace and love, love and light, we are one, heaven on earth. And again, I'd like to welcome everyone to a happy prosperous and blessed new year new years uh, max will be continuing on trust and ls llc but before we get things kicked off and started tonight we're going to begin with some music and we're going to play a selection from cloud nine and this selection is called grateful for uh, from the enjoy the ride cd from cloud nine Precious love I cannot find the words or way To 
one that was uh, Cloud Nine from the Enjoy the Ride CD, and that selection is called Great Fuel. Again, I'd like to welcome everyone to the show. Peace and love, love and light. Max, welcome to the show, and we'll be continuing on Trust and LLC and so much more. Welcome to the show, Max. Yes, good evening, Nashiba, and uh, to everyone that's listening. Um, it's been an interesting day as usual, and uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll be in in learning mode and receiving mode. Uh, as I've always stated, I, I try to stay in that mode myself, even though I may be giving out information. Uh, my, my, my door swings uh, both ways with respect to that, so uh, I'm not uh, uh, sitting in this position of uh, not being able to be uh, taught and learn something and be schooled myself. So um, with that, I wanted to kind of, if I could, mm-hmm. just impart something that is kind of really kind of off subject, but it was just something that came to me. It was kind of profound. And when whenever I get things like this, I, I, I try not to, you know, let it, you know, pass away or be forgotten. I, I kind of try to stay in the moment of, of those kinds of things when they do come to me. So, and and this is uh, kind of something that came to me, and, and it's like I've heard it before, but you know how there are, sometimes there are things that you may have heard it before, but it just, you know, I went in one ear and out the other, so to speak. But this particular time, it really hit me, and maybe it's because of the timing of, of you know, a lot of the conversations and dialogue that we've been having. But, boy, this one hit home. And... Um, the, the idea is, and this is how it kind of came to me, and you can kind of apply this as you see fit, but the whole idea is to stop looking to hit a home run, okay? And that kind of relates to this whole money situation that's going on with this uh, RV and all these types of things. And the context that I got this information was more on the sports level but it wasn't really related to baseball because home run, that's a baseball term, okay? And it can be used and kind of crossed over into many different sports to kind of um, signify that you, you know, you scored in some kind of way. You, 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 you completed the goal. You, you, you did what you were supposed to do in a big way. And that's kind of where this whole kind of RV thing kind of ties in. I know, again, this is kind of way off subject. But it's just kind of a, you know, uh, a theory, let's say, and that the whole idea is to have your base be strong. You know, have your infrastructure, your base be very strong, your basics. Because Mm -hmm. if those things are strong, then you're not trying to hit a home run, okay? Now, those, especially like when those opportunities do come to you, um, you take them as what they are, but it's not if I don't hit the home run, I'm sunk, see? And that's kind of the mode you get into where if you're leaning on hitting this home run, if you don't hit it, then it's like, you know, you, there's nothing to fall back on. So that's why if your base is strong and your fundamentals are strong, then you're not necessarily leaning on that home run, okay? So 
that's kind of something that kind of came to me. And, you know, I listen to a lot of these uh, different uh, forums. I won't say a lot of them, but I some of them because I'm not bouncing all over the place. But, you know, there are people who come to me and they'll throw stuff at me. Oh, what do you think about this? Or is this and this happen? And how do you think I should handle it? And it's kind of on that mentality of the whole, I'm trying to hit this home run, you know, and the dialogue is um, on the level of, well, we were not supposed to be here anyway, but since we are, let's go ahead and hit this home run, see? And I, I just go back to, you know, work on the basics, strengthen yourself there. And so, well, you say, well, that's kind of generic. Well, what are the basics? Well, the basics are, you know, understanding how money works. See, that's a basic. So that when this home run opportunity presents itself, you can kind of dissect it and know if it is like a shot in the dark or if it has some credibility based upon you knowing what the basics of how money works is, okay? So I would say that and, you know, understand how investment and investing works. Then, you know, if this home run opportunity comes to you, is it kind of a sound invest, quote unquote, investment? Or is it a, you know, a long shot? See, so I know that's kind of way off subject. I'm telling you, um, but that's just something that kind of hit me and. I keep hearing how there's, well, I'm confused. You know, there's this confusion of trying to figure out how to make this home run happen. See, but if you're concentrating on the right things, you're not that dependent on a home run because it's like, well, if this doesn't work out, you've got 10 other things because your basics are strong. I guess that's kind of where I'm going. And you're not so dependent on this home run shot, that one at bat, I got to get this one out of the park, see? Okay, I, I had to get that one off my chest. I, <laughs> well, I don't know if that's touching anyone or not, but sorry, say again? No, you're talking about setting priorities and, and getting your priorities in, in order and then making sure that you have plan A through Z. Uh, that way you can maneuver to any position and be in a strong place. But the root of it plants itself and where do your priorities lie? When you plant the fruits and when you plant the vegetables in good soil by default and you take care mm -hmm. of it, you maintain it, it's going to grow. But if yeah. you haven't rooted and planted in anything or the soil isn't good, nothing's going to mm -hmm. grow from it. Yeah. And, you know, I guess I just see so many who, you know, like I say, it's kind of like it's been planted that, well, you weren't supposed to be here anyway. And you're in the arena with the big boys and you got a chance to hit it like the big boys. So let's go ahead and try to knock this one out the park. I mean, that one just, I don't know how to explain it. It just doesn't seem like. That's the way to go. It's it's setting you up for uh, to be in a bad spot if you're counting on the big home run and there's nothing holding that up. See, and that's why I guess there's this big push to kind of understand. Well, well, what do I do after that? Show me how to you know get my taxes right. You know all these other things. 
that's the kind of stuff that you kind of need to be working with more so than trying to figure out how to hit this home run. So I say all that to kind of lead into, I guess, what the um, the talk is for this evening. And it's kind of an extension of some of the, um, I, I classify this under just one big heading of asset protection, but it's more specific to trust and LLCs because those are kind of like, you know, big buzzwords as well as there's a few others in there, but I, I try to, you know, I just clump it under asset protection because to me, that's, I, I look at that as like a basic. If you understand what asset protection is and you just know that, well, under asset protection is trust and, you know, corporations and foundations and charitable and all of those things are all underneath that. Okay. And what I did was, let's get back to my uh, document here. I uh, talked about um, some of the different types. And I didn't really get into a lot of different ones because, I, like I said, I try to kind of center it. And I described what an LLC is and, and generally how it works. And I got into some of the, the, uh, um, the uh, classifications of trusts. And then underneath those classifications, the different types and some of their uh, descriptions, I'll say. Okay. And, you know, there are more. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some reference points to those so that you can maybe, you know, do a little self-research uh, on this. Because for me to just sit here and just kind of rattle that stuff off, it can be a little boring. I mean, unless you're really into this kind of stuff because it's just, it kind of goes on and on forever. There's so many different types of entities out there, which is a good thing because everyone's situation is different. No matter how much you think you would be the same as someone else, everyone is different. It's just like everyone has a different personality. It's not so much that your, per I mean, your, your finances are different, it's just how you see them, how you think about them. That's what makes them different. So everyone's different because we're all different. You may have the same amount of money, same bank, same everything, but you don't handle it the same. So that makes it different. So that's kind of what I want to kind of get into a little bit here, but not getting too detailed because that's a whole nother, you know, that could go on forever and ever based upon how many differences there are in every person, but kind of covering some general concepts, ideas, strategies, um, and what I call do's and don'ts. Okay. Let's see. So where was I here? And I, I may fall back on some things that I've said to kind of, you know, bring um, bring you up to speed because maybe you didn't hear everything and it may, may have to go back on some of these things to kind of put it all into context. So where are we at here? Okay. I almost jumped in there too quickly. First of all, I want to say that I'm not a licensed professional in this, in this uh, area. Um, I don't hold a degree in this area, but I've done the research and 
I have some personal connection to some of these entities and also to those who have credentials to create these entities. So I can kind of see it from both sides, both on from the professional side of this and from the layman side, being the person who would, you know, want this particular product to do whatever it is they, they want it to do. So I want to get that out there first. But I do believe that based upon, let's see, this is 2013. I would say my first introduction to this particular arena, well, I want to say came about uh, maybe 2009. So, you know, it's not like I'm a, seasoned, a seasoned veteran, but it's not like this is my first rodeo, so to speak. And uh, to the point where I have created some of these entities myself, okay? Because once you kind of understand the structure and once you understand that there are certain things that kind of go into specific types of uh, entities, for example, trust, it's kind of pretty much structured in a certain type of way. Just like, for example, if you were going to, um, let's say, write a song or a poem, you know, there's a certain kind of structure, but there may be multiple structures, but once you know that format, you follow that format. So that's what I mean when I talk about these trusts. There's certain types of format, there's certain types of, um, like, for example, it has to be signed, so you're going to have somewhere to sign it, I mean, you know, those kinds of things. It's kind of very basic things, and you can augment those things, or you can simplify them based upon what you're attempting to do or just how simple or how complex you want this particular entity to be. Well, I said a lot there, and it was kind of all general, but I'm going to try to get into sp some specifics. I have some some trust here. I have some documentation on some trust here and some descriptions of some of uh, what some of the pieces and parts of a trust may do. So I'm gonna kind of get into that a little bit too. So with all that being said, let's get into some of the, the strategies of asset protection. Now, keeping in mind, I didn't cover all of the different entities because, and we'll get into that, so I may go back and give some descriptions, but one of the very basic things I want to say about a trust is that, and this is one that's really helped me, and I think it will help anyone, is the understanding that a trust is just like a person, but it's, it consists on paper. Okay, so it can do any and everything a person can do because essentially a person is consists on paper as well. Okay, and I kind of got into that a little bit, the, the understanding of you and me. Okay, and that um, this, this fictional book that was created and the you and the me. And the you was, uh, let's go back up here. 
I went a little bit of review because it's going to make a difference of, of understanding this once I get into some of these strategies. Uh, and I want to be uh, precise about this. Um, let's see, we're at the top here. Okay, what did I say about you? You was the entity that owned everything. Okay, and I substitute you for, let's say, Joe or Jack or Jim or Sally or Raphael. In this case, that entity's name is you. And I'll get into why I use those, that, that, um, instead of a surname, pronoun instead of a surname. And me is an entity that owns nothing. Okay. And you had written this journal and me wanted to learn about the journal. Okay. And that me, like I say, was a, he had nothing. It was a pauper. And that's a term that essentially means you're just broke. You have nothing, nothing on paper. You don't see anything. You, it's you and the shirt on your back, if you have a shirt, okay? And, um, but you and me are really the same thing, the same entity, the same person. But you is the person that is on paper. You know, your driver's license, your, 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 your gas bill, your uh, mortgage, your everything that has your name on it on paper. That is the you person, okay? So understanding that that you person exists everywhere on paper, okay? In the courtroom, at the doctor's office, uh, Anywhere that you, let's say, conduct commerce, that's that you person in the corporate sense. But then me is the flesh and blood. And the paper part of any entity cannot operate without a flesh and blood. You need both because paper can't sign itself. Okay, you got to have a flesh and blood to make these things happen. And that's kind of why I want to go back to this, to understand that when you have some type of entity, I don't care what it is, you got to have a flesh and blood entity for that corporation, for that entity to do anything, to buy things, to sell things, to do accounting, to do anything. It has to be a flesh and blood. So with that understanding, then you realize that let's say you have an entity. Well, how does it get a bank account? See, there has to be a person in order to establish that. You know, to walk into the bank or call the bank, whatever you may do, sit down with someone and sign the paperwork that authorizes you to have that particular account within their organization, okay? So with that understanding, then you realize, okay, no matter what you have on paper, there's always some flesh and blood that's going to be connected to it, which that is a good thing because many times with respect to understanding what a trust is, the, the kind of the understanding is, is that it's established for many different reasons. 
One, it protects something, some asset, whether it be money, a car, um, house, land. You go on and on and on and on, some kind of asset. And it could be something that is virtual that it protects. It doesn't have to be a physical thing. And I'll kind of get into that, too, when I talk about the indenture or the actual body of the trust. Because not everything that is valuable is something that you can touch. They may be ideas, see, you know, or, or um, you know, concepts, you know, things that, you know, you can get pretty much patents or um, trademarks, you know, those kinds of things on just about anything. And some of them are ideas. So they don't have to always be something physical that is valuable that you want to protect. Okay, so back to my point, the understanding of that that person has to be involved, but yet it is acceptable, okay, I'll, I'll use that word, that that is kind of a known part of this with whomever you're dealing with, let's say in a administrative way. They know that a trust can't walk in and open a bank account, that it has to have some type of human, okay, flesh and blood representative to do the work for the paper, okay? So with that understanding, it kind of, what I want to say, uh, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to use this word, but I'm going to use this this term to kind of, you know, kind of set the tone a little bit. It It puts you, the representative, slash manager, okay, representative slash manager, because it's going to depend on what you're working with as to which one of these titles that you may hold, okay, that when you are operating on behalf of that entity, okay, that you are not personally connected to that, and you're not seen as, well, if I'm talking about this if I'm asking about this, if I'm referring to this, it's not me. See, I'm the representative of that. I'm only speaking on behalf of this. So you're not on the hook for those things. You're not seen as, oh, you got a Mercedes. No, I am speaking on behalf of the entity that owns the Mercedes. It's not mine, see? So, that's kind of something to really kind of get etched in stone. It, it, it frees you up when you know that that's the position that you stand in, okay? Even though, and I'll get into this a little bit later, let's say it's a home and it's like a really nice home, you know, a $2 million home. Um, and this entity trusts whatever may own that home. Okay, someone has to maintain that home. Okay, the paper can't maintain it. Okay, and to some degree, if it's a home, who's living there? See, it may be you. Okay, again, going back to my point, that doesn't necessarily connect you to that property. That's, this is big here because, you know, 
in our world, perception means a lot. But in the administrative world, it's all about, let's put it this way. Think about a courtroom situation. And I heard this uh, described to me, and this one really hit home. So I'm going to use it in, in this, in this uh, context here. In the courtroom situation, it's not what was done. It's what can be proven that was done. See, so the perception part of it kind of goes away because it's not, I saw you do it, but can you prove you saw me do it? See, it's kind of that. So then you get into the whole, you know, administrative aspect of that. And that's where I'll say you're kind of off the hook, so to speak, because it's not what it looks like. It's not that I see you driving the Mercedes. It's not that I see you living in the home. It's when it comes down to it, who actually owns it? Who registered it? Who, you know, all those things. See, when you know that, then you're, like I say, you're, it, it detaches you from that and, but also frees you to, um, how do I want to say? It frees you to, well, I'm, I'm being very careful here because this is, this is, this is the tricky part of this whole thing. It frees you to, um, associate yourself with these assets i'll say it that way without being in the context of ownership of these assets i hope that's clear okay so let's go back down to where i was here that was the whole you and me thing well that was uh that was kind of intense uh like i said i'm tippy toeing on that one and you'll you'll probably see why here. Okay, so my first point is what I want to call single single layer protection. Okay, and this is where a lot of people operate with respect to these types of uh, uh, entities and organizations, um, from trust to LLCs to uh, corporations, the foundations, uh, nonprofits on and on and on and on. Typically, most operate at single layer. You know, Joe's Barbecue, you know, maybe a corporation or LLC or, you know, Exxon or, um, that's probably a bad example, Exxon is, but um, KFC. I mean, you know, just any number of different things from the big boys to, you know, Sally's Bumper Curl uh, Salon. It, it's whatever, okay? Single layer protection, that is the least effective, okay? But caveat, depending on the entity, because there are certain trusts that because of the power of complexity that they have, it's almost like having multiple layers because within the indenture of that, that uh, entity are these different um, agreements, let's say, between the different types of um, agreement, uh, I'll say it this way, agreements within agreements in one document creates that complexity. And see, that's a powerful thing to understand. Like I say, uh, 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 these entities are specifically a trust. This is a private 
agreement. And that's part of the Constitution, that you have the ability to contract, okay? And it, it's not, it doesn't have to be publicly, you know, uh, registered, okay? That's a good thing. So because that is one of your um, rights, let's say, and I use that loosely, that means that you can go into this uh, agreement and basically structure it to meet whatever needs that you desire. And you may not know what those needs are, but hopefully before we're done with this, you'll understand better how to um, position yourself so that you're not just as they say, walking around with your pants hanging down, okay? Which is how probably you know, 80% of the people are. They're just wide open and they don't even know it. And that's not their fault. They just haven't been enlightened as to just how wide open they are because the system has kind of allowed that to kind of be that way. But there are those who understand you know, and it's not necessarily just the people with money, because that's not it, but they just understand that um, there are these types of entities and agreements and understandings that put a shield, an umbrella, a wall, whatever, a fence, whatever you want to call it, uh, around not only the flesh and blood, but the assets that are involved with those flesh and bloods, okay? So back to my point, uh, single layer protection. It's essentially when you just have one entity that is um, taking liability in some respect, okay? Whether it be uh, liability over assets that only that entity is involved with. For example, like a corporation, let's say you I don't know, you sell soap or something, okay? Or you sell tires, whatever. That corporation is really, those tires are really kind of only associated with that corporation. So it's not it's not this, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? This ability to kind of mix and match, so to speak. Because, you know, tires, you know, how many tires can you have on your car, okay? a set, but when you have 500 sets, I mean, there's no real mixing and matching there. But there are situations where, let's say that entity has the ability to be perceived as though it's not separate. For example, if you have like a real estate um, company and you buy and sell homes and you live in a home, so it's like, is this owned by you or the company? You know, it could be some kind of a, you know, shadiness going on there. It just depends. I'm just using those as examples just to kind of show that sometimes the entity is totally separate from you. And other times it's like it could be both. It just depends on what, what it is you're doing. Um, it could be jewelry. It could be some service, you know, cleaning your home or watering your grass, whatever. It could be something that has the ability to kind of mix from the, let's say, business side to the personal side. So that is kind of why that single layer 
has that kind of, you know, least, least ability to protect because it sits kind of, it's typically in a public um, forum, you know, you can see it, the sign is right on the street or whatever, or you're promoting it, you're marketing it. So you want people to see it, see? So that's kind of part of it too. It kind of leaves you open a little bit in that fashion that if someone comes on, let's say the property of that entity and is injured in some kind of way, you know, the door is wide open for that as well. So just understand, depending on what it is you're doing, because see, I'm kind of speaking generally because this covers a lot. It covers corporations, it covers foundations, it covers, you know, charitable. I mean, it, it covers a lot of different things, but I'm, again, kind of staying in the area of the trust and LLCs. Well, LLCs are typically, you know, some type of business format. So what I'm talking about kind of does fit into that category. You're promoting that. You're trying to generate sales. So you're public, see? So yeah, could be a problem. So just, just understand that very, very most basic way for protection of assets. So moving forward here, okay is what I call multiple layer. And boy, that gets into a lot. But in this case, when I say multiple layer, I'm saying same, same, not one thing and then something different. And this, this same, same layering, meaning in this case, we're gonna talk trust. Trust A, they say at the top, trust B sitting below trust A. But when I say below, it's actually inside, okay, of trust A. So B sits internal. It is owned by. It is part of. But I just stack them just to say as far as the layering is, is concerned. And that term is called nesting, you know. And that term is used in, in, in the uh, electronic field, different, different arenas that that's used, but that's kind of what that means. So you're nesting one within the other. And there are very specific reasons why you want to do that. Um, specifically, that's done with, um, let's say you have multiple valuable assets, like, you know, two Mercedes or two $2 million homes, see? That's kind of the purpose of that and that you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, because if something happens and okay, now trusts are impenetrable based upon the type that it is, okay? Um, but in this particular case, you, you're not, let's say if, you know, the creek rises or whatever, and it is some kind of way to penetrate that you you don't basically lose everything, basically like you would if you didn't have anything, okay? So there's this separation where it's only one item per entity, you know, one Mercedes in the trust, the other Mercedes in another trust, the one $2 million in another uh, trust, and another 
$2 million in another trust. So I just described two homes, two cars. So essentially what that is, that is for me, now follow me, five trusts. Because you always have the home or mother, the, the, the big daddy, the one that's controlling, okay? And then whatever is nested, either all nested within one or nested as in like a daisy chain, I guess is the way I want to describe it, okay? Meaning that A is within, um, I mean, B is within A and um, C is within B and so on and so forth like that, as opposed to uh, B, C, D, and E all within A separately, if that makes sense. And it's, it's, it's what you call a typology. So you'd have to kind of see it to understand what I'm saying, whereby you have options, okay? And that's why I'm even talking about this, depending on how you want to structure this, depending on what layer of protection you want for whatever items are within that entity. Because as you create these layers, 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 it, it becomes less and less and less and less visible. Because, for example, it may be easy enough to find that top layer, okay? It may be. For some reason, I don't know, let's say you blurted it out or you wrote it down somewhere, you know, ABC Trust. Oh, let me see if I can find ABC Trust. Oh, I see ABC Trust. But if you have these nested entities, nested, 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 you can't open a page and look and see what's inside of that trust because that's private, see? So whatever's in there, can't see it. And then whatever's in that that you can't see, you can't see that and it just keeps going, 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 going. And and I'm talking same, same here. So essentially, it, it, it's very specific that you would go, you know, three, four, five, six, seven deep in that manner with a trust, okay? Because that's kind of like overkill. But you can, do, you can set it up any kind of way you want to, okay? Uh, I'm just giving you some some concepts, some ideas, and understanding why you would want to do it and why you may not want to do it. Okay, why would you not want to have it uh, daisy chain as trust, 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 trust out like that? Um, let's see. Why would you not want to do it that way? <sighs> well, I, you know what it. With respect to trust, I don't know that there's something that stands out in my understanding of why that is a don't, okay, as opposed to having them nested all within one, unless you feel that it's just that extra safety, just like, you know, you put on two pairs of socks instead of one. I mean, it's, it's, it's all in how you feel about it, but there's no real you know, thing that I can say that stands out as to why you would not do one over the other because of that ability to understand that within that trust, you, you, 
there's you can't just open it up and say, see, oh, I see everything that's in there. You got some shoestrings in there. You, you can't do that. So it's like once it's in there, it's kind of in a, a, a safe place. It's not visible, even though it may be sitting at 1945, you know, East West Street. Okay, physically sitting there, but administratively, what's on paper, you know, the you part of this, you don't see it. It's it's not there. Okay, so um, and I and and there may be some questions on that, but I'm hoping that that's kind of clear as to understanding that. Now I'm talking multiple layer, same thing. Okay, um, trust on trust on trust. Now, you also have what I call multiple entity protection, meaning, you know, trust sitting up here at the top, and then maybe you may have a C Corp, you may have an S Corp, you may have an LLC, you may have a foundation, you may have, you know, and within those, you may have some other types of nesting below that and so on and so forth, see? So you have the ability to do that as well. And you get into not necessarily just the protection of assets, but the protection of what an asset may be doing. Okay, for example, if you have your you know mother at the top and you have, let's say an LLC, or let's say your mother at the top and another trust and then underneath that trust, an LLC. So that that LLC it's completely off the map of what it is doing. See, but again, it may be sitting at 910 Boston Street. Okay. But, you know, and, you know, if it's an LLC, of course, it's going to be um, uh, registered in to some fashion because it's going to be conducting business and so on and so forth. So it's not off the map. But I'm talking about the liability aspect of it and the ownership aspect of it, because when it when let's say it is looked into who the owner is, the owner may be such and such corporation operating out of such and such a state. That's it. See. And well, who, who owns such and such corporation? Well, such and such corporation is owned by such and such corporation. You see that all the time. So that's the layering part of it, I'm saying. So that, you know, it never gets back to me. See, me is that pauper person that owns nothing, never gets back to me. And that's where this whole protection thing comes in. I gave you an example of business. The same thing can be done with respect to cars and homes and those types of things. So that, you know, ownership connection is so distant, even if someone were really, you know, on your coattail, so to speak. And, and, and trust me, I'm not promoting this as some dark evil thing okay let's go back to where i originally you know came from with this i'm not a professional i've done the research okay but this is all above board stuff because we're talking about asset protection we're not talking about how to take over 
your state or how to take over the country or anything. This is not anything sinister or any of that. It's just how to protect yourself from someone because, you know, kind of like once the word gets out that you kind of have something, people come out of the woodwork and not all of them are going to be nice about it. Okay. So let's remember that there is that part of it and that, you know, not everybody's just going to come up and tap you on the shoulder nicely. Some are just going to like hit you in the head and run off, you know, that kind of thing. So that's kind of what this is all about when, when you're talking about this ownership thing and how to protect and so on and so forth. Okay, so that's multiple entity. And again, I could go much more into detail about that, but I'm kind of trying to give a general idea of how this works and so that you maybe can see it, and I didn't like describe it, and you can't see, you know, necessarily what I'm talking about. But I would say from a topology aspect of this, I, I like using circles, you know. And when I say um, nesting, you know, you may have this really big circle with a lot of little circles inside of it. That's what I call nesting. And each one of these little circles are circles standing alone, okay? When I talk about daisy chaining, I'm talking about a circle, and then let's say a line below that, and then another circle, then a line below it, then another circle. That's daisy chaining, you know, layer, 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 like that, okay? And see, that can be done same, same, and that can be done same, I mean, not same, but same, same, and also multiple, meaning different types of entities, not all the same. Some are the same, some are not the same, none of them are the same. You can do it, you can mix and match these things. And you may say, well, how do you do that? I mean, how do you, how do you know who owns what? And can you, can you switch it once you got it set up, let's say? Let's say you got it set up and you find out, well, this is not working. You know, can I flip it? Can I, well, how can I move this around? And well, yeah, you can. Um, but there's another mindset that goes with that. And again, I, 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 I'll, I'll continue to say this, that it, it doesn't mean that you have to be of the super rich to even utilize or think in this way. But I will say that with respect to certain things, it does create more strategy when you don't have full, I'll say, quote unquote, ownership of whatever that asset is. For example, if you're financing something, that makes it tricky, okay, as far as, well, I'm doing this, can I switch it? Or can I move it from this to that? Well, when you're financing, that makes it tricky, okay? You start getting into partial this and partial that and joint this and joint that, okay? See, that's that detail part of it. And, you know, and it, then it will depend on well, how that entity that you may be financing it with, what, what are their policies with respect to that kind of a, uh, an agreement where they allow it and typically you can do anything really it's just 
whether or not the policy will allow it and whether or not whomever you're speaking with will allow you to um, deviate, let's say, from the policy. In other words, it depends on who you're talking to because there's been many times where you'll call for whatever and the person will say, well, no, we don't do that. And you think, okay, you don't do that. You call back the next day and you're talking to someone. Oh, yeah, sure, we can, yeah, we can do that. Well, I just talked to you yesterday and now I'm talking to this other and you said it's, so which is it? So sometimes it just depends on who you're talking to. And many times, you know, we may stop at that first no. Oh, we don't do it. Okay, thank you. Bye. Well, sometimes you got to kind of like not accept no. And sometimes you may have to detail what it is you're attempting to do because they may not have ever known that you could do it. And they just kind of say no when it's really not a no. They just are afraid to say yes because it may be outside policy and they don't really know. But So they just say no. But really, it may be okay. So sometimes you may have to detail, okay, this is what I'm attempting to do. You know, I have this, and this is this in ownership of this, but I want to move the ownership for this to this. Sometimes just spelling it out and they say, oh, okay, let's let's do it. See? So that's the kind of understanding that when it comes to, you know, how do you move this from that? Like I say, the, the uh, optimum way is to be in full ownership. So then that way, it's just a matter of signing um, basically the ownership from one to the other or transferring the ownership from one to the other, which is just basically a document. It's no, it's nothing special. It just basically takes ownership from ABC entity and, you know, either you may transfer it or you may have to sell it, but you sell it for a dollar. And now, Entity A sold it to Entity B for a dollar, so Entity B owns it now. And then you can kind of restructure how you got this whole thing set up. It may be from you, the parent, to, you know, the sibling or the offspring or whatever, you know. Now they own it. So $2 million house, I sold it to them for a dollar. You know, boom, they got it. And it's private, so that eliminates the any of the you know let's say quote unquote tax implications okay now that that can get into a whole different uh understanding but understand okay now i want to read something here let's go back since since i mentioned that word okay now this is just specific to you know certain states of course have no tax state tax that is okay uh, what is it? Florida, Texas. Um, I think there's a couple others. I can't remember off the top of my head. But then there are certain states that with respect to businesses, the tax situation is, you know, very lenient. And one of them is Nevada. Okay. And there are others that have different uh, establishments. You know, all states kind of operate different. I don't know that there's any two that are identical. There may be, but they're all kind of got some kind of little deviation. And one of the things about uh, Nevada is that there is no 
personal or corporate income tax imposed by the state of Nevada. And I'm reading that from uh, the Nevada 166.020, okay? So that's just part of their state law. Um, it says here, Nevada, uh, this type of trust is only subject to federal income tax, subject to federal. But depending on, and, and see, this that's a whole nother strategy within itself with respect to, let's say you have certain assets within an entity, and let's say that entity is creating some type of income, whether it be via, you know, active in uh, active uh, creation of income, or whether it be by um, increase in value can create income. Let's say, for example, a home that appreciates. It was 1 million, now it's 1.2 million, just based upon the value going up. It creates these possible tax implications and understanding that there are ways to uh, mitigate that you know moving the that let's say that one that point two that you increase that two hundred thousand can be moved or or associated i'll put it that way let's say with some other entity or some other activity to keep that value the same. So even though it did increase, you took that increase and you put it somewhere else so that it never increased. So there's never a tax implication. So again, that's getting a little bit deeper, deeper, deeper. And you know, more and more detail, but again, that's just, I'm just throwing that out there so that you understand that that can be done as well. Because going back to what your indenture is and establishing that you can have the ability to do that. And I'm going to get into that a little bit here when I read some of uh, what um, certain trusts can do. I have to pull that up here. Um, let's see. Where do I have that? Because it's really, it's kind of interesting to me when you when you figure out how these things work, and that you're really kind of really flexible. It's just you know wording it so that it fits, let's say a certain format. But if you if you let's say spelled it out, and that's essentially how this is created. You spell it out in just plain English. Okay, I want my trust to pay my son $4,000 a month after he turns age 24 and graduates from college. Something like that, okay? That's the, just the plain, I just, that's what I wanted to do. But then it is written in, you know, a certain format. I say legalese, but I don't know if I even want to call it that, but essentially that's what it is. Okay, so that it says that very same thing, but in that format. Okay, and it may get into a little bit more detail because when you talk about 
who's paying who, you know, you may have to specify, you know, a certain account, you know, going to another certain account, you know, it may get a little bit more detailed than that. But when you kind of just spell it out in plain English, and then you format it, and it is put into the indenture of that document, it's a ball game, see, and you can set it up for a time. I wanted to do that for, you know, 20 years or, I mean, it's just, or if, if such and such happens, I want it to stop, you know, he drops out, stop, you know, it's whatever you want, see. So that's when I talk about how, you know, you got this flexibility, it's all in just knowing how to, you know, put it into the proper format and the sky's the limit because there's no, you know, your indenture could be a couple of pages. It could be 500 pages. It's a private document. See, there's certain parts of it that you do disclose to certain entities, but you don't give them the whole thing. You just give them pieces that they recognize as being part of that type of document, you know, the cover page, you know, um, signature page, those kinds of things. They don't see the body, okay? That is the private part, but they see the basic part, you know, the name, you know, who signed it, you know, those kinds of things, who certified it, you know, a notary of some type. That's all they need. And the body part, that's your stuff, okay? So it can be whatever. I'm hoping that that's hitting home here a little bit because I'm saying it really kind of gives you a lot of flexibility when you, you know, can really decide um, which way you want to go with this. Because I say it's going to depend on the person. Some people just want, you know, I just want to protect my little house, my little car. That's all I care about. Other people, they want to get creative. I want to have, you know, I want an amusement park in Brazil. You know, they want to do whatever. So you can do all that. It's no problem. It's just all in how you structure it. Okay. All right. Let's move on here. What do I have here? The do's and the don'ts of a structured entities. And that's a term I use that. You know, a structure is just like, I think of it like a building, you know, it has this frame and then you put all the stuff around it. So think of your uh, asset protection as the framework and all the stuff around it is all your stuff. And as I said before, you can be Joe Blow and have this kind of setup because your stuff is your stuff. It's whatever. It's your, your socks, your shoes. See, like I said, if you write that out in plain English, okay, I want this entity, it's going to own, you know, my five suits, you know, my 10 pair of socks, you, everything can go on there, okay? And there's a document, it's called A-list, and, and you just kind of list everything, you know? I got the PlayStation and the radio. I mean, just whatever. My ceiling fan, put it all on there. That gets you into the, remember I said the me is the popper. Nothing. They own nothing. You got the whole shebang. See? 
the you, that's the paper person, owns everything. The me is managing, managing uh, everything that you owns. Okay. All right. So some of the do's and don'ts. Uh, do not connect statutory entities to common law entities. Okay. It's kind of like it forces you into a default position. When you have common law essentially operating outside of the system because the system is structured as statutory. So common law is outside of that. When you place a statutory anything into a common law anything, it pulls it back into the statutory. So that's a do and a don't. So you're going to have to know what is common law entities and what is statutory entities. And one real good indication of certain statutory entities is if there are tax ID numbers, um, EINs, uh, those kinds of things associated with it. When you have that, then you're kind of working with statutory. When there is none of those things, then you're in a common law situation. That's kind of basic, but that's just like as basic as it gets as far as being able to determine well, which is which. Or um, let's say in the actual uh, description of that particular entity, it will be stated. This is a common law, but that's not always a good indication because I run into that situation where it's stated, oh, this trust is, you know, it's common law, it's non, but how do you create it? Well, the first thing you have to do is get a tax ID number. What, what, huh? Wait a minute. How can you say, well, yeah, no, it's not really connected. You're just doing that. No, 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 no. That, that's, let's just say I fell for that one too, okay? So we'll just leave it at that. If it's connected, if it's associated, if it's, if you say IRS in any kind of way, you're in the statutory, okay? So, boom, there you go. Okay, let's move on here. Do not connect business activity to personal assets. I mean, that was kind of a, that's not like this real revelation. That was kind of obvious. You know, don't connect business with personal. It's just, you know, it just makes it a lot more simpler. Keep them separate. As well as when you're talking about the me person, and the you person, okay? Keep them separate. You person meaning the on paper person, separate, as well as the me. If, if uh, well, let's see. Well, I got to put a qualifier in there on that one. Let's back up on that. <sighs> okay, I talked about how, for example, a trust can own anything a person can own, any and everything, okay? Homes, whatever. Okay, trust A owns home A. 
home aid two million. Okay, and it also um, okay that's trust A. Trust B owns auto B. Just to keep it simple, A and A, B and B. Okay, but you live in home A and you drive auto B. Okay, so in that sense, there is a mixture, but that's not business. Okay, just because a trust owns something doesn't make it business. The business part of it is as if you have trust A that owns LLC A, and LLC is doing whatever LLC is doing, and me is because me is managing trust A and trust A is whatever trust A owns, everything, including LLC A. But that doesn't allow you to mingle into business of LLC A. That's where you kind of get into a little bit of hot water um gets a little convoluted it you know raises the eyebrow all those things if you keep that separate you'll never have a problem i'll just say that so you're going to have to know what llc has owns operates manages does so that that never falls into the area of this is just another thing I can play with and do and whatever I want to do with. Not saying you can't, that it just keeps you out of hot water when you keep that business as business and keep the personal as the personal. There you go. Okay, do not expose bank accounts to ATM machines. I'll say that one again because this is a big one. Do not expose bank accounts to ATM machines because essentially what happens is when you do that, excuse me, and there are some exceptions, but I'll tell you why as a rule, do not because again, trust, personal, okay, you know, invisible, let's say, ATM, public visible it takes the private invisible and brings it up to the you know public visible okay and it, it basically eliminates why you even have that entity when you bring that forward well so you say well, well how do i get my money how do i what do i do okay here's your strategy again i go back to whether you're nested whether you're daisy chain whether you're single entity, it doesn't matter, okay? That main um, asset holder does not have to have a bank account, first of all, let's just say that. That's not mandatory. But let's say whatever entity trust-wise, just trust now, that has a bank account or multiple bank accounts, whatever, it doesn't matter, if you have the need to have an ATM 
that is associated with one of these types of holdings, okay, that these trusts have being of a financial nature, then again, it gets into, and, and um, we're just kind of assuming that you have it like that, but let's say you don't have it like that, but if you do, you know, and having it like that may not be you're just Bill Gates, and I hate to use his name in this, but I'm just saying, if that is what you're, if you want to have the ability to have an ATM connected to whatever account that is, let's say, of a sizable nature, just like you separate, you know, house A, house B, car A, car B, then you separate so that you have that particular entity that that's all it does. See, this is my slush money fund entity. So, well, how's that done? Well, you know, mother trust transfers X number into slush fund trust via, you know, interbank, intertrans, well, however, this various different ways to move funds from A to C. And let's say C's um, limit may be, you know, no more than 50,000 or no more than 5,000, whatever, no more than 1,000. So you can have that established within mother, like I said, write it out in plain form, transfer, XYZ amount from XYZ account on every 15th of the month to XYZ account. See, you can just, it's, you can set it up to do that. So that money is transferred over in that account, but there's nothing else in there, in that entity. Or there may be something in there, but it may not be of anything that you have any um, fear of it being public with respect to who you are, okay? You may have all your socks in there too, let's say, okay? Whatever. But from a monetary standpoint, it's just that, that small amount and that amount is visible ATM wise, okay, and can be used to, you know, I use this to, you know, this is how I buy all my uh, pizza and, and, and my, my rap music, whatever you do with it, okay, I pay my bills with it, okay, or, you know, this is where I buy my lottery tickets, I, whatever you do, okay, but that's just for that, see, don't have your ATM connected to very large sums of money. That's what I'm trying to say. And if they are large, it's large in a way that that's all that's in there. You, you didn't get the mother load when you expose that account to an ATM. Okay, I didn't beat that horse to death, but that's important to understand this is the why and giving you some strategy as to how, what's your alternative if you're not going to do that. Well, your alternative is just like how you separate large value items. You separate them. You're not 
putting them all into one basket. So you do that with the funding as well. And you set up within your indenture to fund that account so that that's not even an issue. And you're not visible, let's say, at your local bank performing that function every month. Oh, here comes Jeff. He's gonna... No, that's done virtually. And it's not necessarily at your computer. Oh, keystroke, keystroke, you know, it's just within the indenture of that particular trust and that function is performed. Okay. Uh, do have multiple bank accounts. And I kind of went into a little bit of why you do that. That kind of answers itself right there. Just because you're not sunk with one wrong move like the ATM thing, okay? Or I can give you various different examples as to what could happen. But when it's kind of spread out a little bit over various different accounts, over various different um, establishments, because, see, there are some there are some accounts that based upon the value or the amount that you want to get, you can't walk in there and say, I want to pull out 500,000. You just, you can't do it. They won't, you not that minute. They'll say, well, yeah, come back, you know, whenever and we'll have it ready for you. It's just banks just, they don't have that kind of, those kinds of assets just waiting for you. Okay, that's changing with uh, Basel three to some degree, but still they got their limitations. And it's gonna depend on where you are as far as like what branch, is it a main branch, is it some real small local branch, whatever, so. But there are certain accounts that are set up in such a way, money market accounts, those kinds of things where you can do that. It's kind of like that's what they're designed to do because essentially those kinds of accounts are for, you know, making, you know, quick transactions because you know, in certain arenas, that's kind of what it's all about, being able to move funds quickly, boom, boom, boom. So you may have that kind of account for that. So it's just going to depend on what you're doing. But just giving you some, some ideas on that. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, do have multiple types of accounts. I kind of covered that as well. Not just, you know, regular checking accounts or you know, there's multiple different kinds of checking accounts, too. It's not just your standard checking account. There's, you know, non-interest bearing, and it's just, it, there's many, believe me. You know, I, I talk about this kind of in general, but when you get into banking, boy, there's an understanding that there's over-the-counter banking and then there's private banking. And, and kind of realizing that the two are really, they're not the same thing, okay? Over-the-counter banking is, is about as basic as it gets. It, it, it's like going to a, a shopping market or something and putting your your items on the conveyor belt and they check them out for you. Okay, yeah, that, oh, that'd be $5. Okay, thank you. It's that simple. Anybody can really do that. You, you know, basic skill. Can you count? Okay, you know, count out a few dollars. Okay, here you go. Thank you. Have a nice day. It's, it's kind of those kinds of functions. The private banking part of it gets into, you know, investing and, and asset protection and, and um, boy, it's, it covers a lot. 
it covers all those things that you really never do when you do over-the-counter banking, okay? And the hours are different as well. With private, it's kind of 24-7 because of what it is, and you're kind of in the world market to a, to a large degree. So you're, depending on what you're doing and when you're doing it, you know, things may be closed here, but in Hong Kong, they're they're open. So you need it to happen now, not in your morning when it's their night, you know. So it's kind of a, it's just different. And understanding that, you know, there's certain functions that when you walk in a bank, you don't go to the counter, okay? You're in that fifth floor or you're in that back office that you never see. And you're talking to the person that is in that back office. He He's never out front. You didn't even know he was in the building. Those are the people you're talking to. Or they're essentially, they're actually coming to you. And, you know, to a, a large part, you know, you're not even going to the bank. Okay. So that's kind of the difference between over-the-counter banking and private banking. Okay, um, and the different accounts that you may have with respect to those two different entities. Let's see, do pay yourself a salary. Okay, and then this kind of gets into what I was talking about before, how the indenture of this trust, that is kind of part of it because with respect to managing and or, you know, um, let's say you're the trustee. It just depends on what position you have with this trust. But the management part of it is just like managing anything. It is a service and it is essentially, it's a billable service. And remember, you know, you, you, you almost forget that, as I said before, a trust is like a person. So you're essentially working for that person to maintain everything, make sure things are in order. If something that that person owns needs servicing, renewing, registration, whatever, you're the person that's taking care of that. So for these services that you're performing, you receive a salary. See? And you can determine what that salary may be, $10, $100,000, whatever. But now if you're being paid this, of course, that is taxable, okay, very much so. So, you know, keep that in mind. But I, I'll tell you why I mentioned this, because let's say you have large holdings, but and, and I said you, um, let, me, let me back up. Let's say that you manage large holdings, okay? And the you is, has the holdings, me is managing those holdings. But if me is a pauper and has nothing, then it's kind of like, well, how do you have nothing, but you have something? It's just something ain't right here. But if you quote unquote have nothing, but you're making a salary of some degree, then it's like, oh, okay, you, well, you're doing a lot with what you make. 
You know, you see what I'm saying? So it, it kind of fills in that gap a little bit when your management is paying you the salary that kind of fills in that gap of, well, how are you doing all this and you have nothing? But you'll still have nothing, but you'll have a salary. See? So that eliminates that perception of well, what is going on here and how and who and how many. It, it, it fills in the blank, so to speak. Now you just determine how much of that blank it fills in, see? So I'm throwing that out there. That's just another strategy. You can kind of play that one as you see fit. Okay, but there you go. Um, boy, there was something else I want to say about that. Oh, 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 here we go. Let's stay on that, that subject matter. Okay, and the, and the question is, well, let's say you got whatever you got in there. And you know, I don't know what anybody has. I just like to throw numbers out, but don't don't be thrown off by the numbers. Don't, you know, it, it just kind of helps to put this whole thing in perspective. Let's say you got $2 million in the mother trust. And you're thinking, well, how do I pull money out of that entity without one, creating a tax event, and two, not, you know, raising a flag of, whoa, where did all that come from? I didn't know you even had $2, let alone $2 billion, you know, without raising that flag. How do you do it? Okay, you ready? Here you go. Again, entity, trust entity, just like a person can do everything a person can do. So here you go. Bobby Joe, Bobby Joe, I need a loan. You need a loan? How much do you need? Uh, can you hit me with about 10000 Okay, but you're going to have to pay it back. Okay, well, how long and, at, you know, how much interest or whatever and how long are you going to give me? Okay, let's see. I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you the 10000 and I'm going to allow you to pay it back. Uh, let's see. I'll give you 30 years to pay it back, okay? And you can pay it back to me at, uh, 1% interest. And I may even go lower. It just depends. But I'll just throw 1% at you over 30 years. Okay, you got a deal. That's how you pull your money out. You loan it. And it's not income at that point. See, it's a loan. Okay. And it has a um, payback feature involved. Now, I use numbers that I just kind of pulled out of my head. Those numbers are, again, this is a private scenario here. And I'm just giving you an example. It can be whatever. See? So that's how you pull funds out. Okay. So moving on. Uh, let's see. Do pay your family members a salary. So everything that I described as far as the me person is involved applies to other family members. 
see? So what does that do if you got it like that? It puts everyone in the status of, well, you can work for ABC company if you want to, or you can work for Trust A. See? So that's kind of up to you. So, but, it, you know, pay your family. It becomes a much more advantageous scenario. I'll just say that. Okay, what else do we have here? Do set up an endowment account. Now, this is something that was introduced to me um, a few years back. And again, you know, I've, I've stated how our system is going to be changing. So understand that. But I'm going to throw it at you here because I really found this to be an exceptional way to enhance your position. And essentially what an endowment program is, is where you take certain amount of money and you place it into the custody of an establishment. And there are many different ones. It could be a museum. It could be a hospital. It could be a university. And essentially you kind of invest into their program and you can invest generally or you can invest specifically by saying okay I'm going to invest $100,000 and I want this to go to only Latino students that are in the music program and I'm just using that as an example but you can be that specific okay and what they do is yes they invest into that what you designated it but essentially what happens is that those funds that you put in along with other investors go into this gigantic pot, okay? And that entity, hospital, museum, university, they take that and they then use that as their leverage to invest. See, that puts them in a really good position because my hundred with let's say a thousand others hundred now that's something you can really work with okay and that's what they do now if you go and here's here's how you can really kind of get a feel for this look up a couple of universities just do a google search and and you have to do it i want to say do it on wikipedia i want to say is who gives that information you know maybe look up notre dame look up some big ones and then look up some smaller ones, and you'll always see what their endowment is. It'll spell it out and, you know, give you an idea of, you know, what they're kind of working with here, see. And essentially, I say they invest and they create interest-bearing scenarios, okay, and those returns because they're working with this big pot of money okay all right and depending on who you're talking about it's going to be how big the pot of money is but essentially you get a piece of that return from what they've done okay but because of how you uh, place these funds into that program 
there's a little bit more detail to this, but essentially that those returns are as invisible as everything that's within your trust. Okay. So you create this income that is invisible and not a tax event. So I, I think that's outstanding. Now, I, that's a very general picture of that. It's a little bit more detail to it, but I gave you kind of a good working order of how that thing works. Okay. So what else we got here? I got two more. Um, do acquire assets of, a, of intrinsic value. Acquire assets of intrinsic value. And intrinsic value is essentially something that is valuable in and of itself. It's not valuable because it increases in value. It's not valuable because um, what other reason would there be? I don't know. It's just valuable because it is valuable. You know, uh, gemstones, metals, art, uh, mines, like, you know, gold mines, whatever, uh, land, both developed and undeveloped, uh, vintage autos, okay? Those are just some examples. Invest into those things not things that depreciate and that covers a lot and typically for whatever reason that's what a lot of people put their money into when they have um, um, expendable money they put it into things that depreciate or they lose value or they have very little value I'm not saying just completely, but if you're into the, and this is something I got from, uh, what's the guy's name? Boy, I'm, I'm having a brain dump here on that one. He's a money guy. I can't think of his name now, but that was one of his main things, you know, invest into and find out what things of intrinsic value are, you know, colored diamonds and well, diamonds in general, but you know, Get a chunk of that kind of stuff because it's intrinsic value. Things of intrinsic value don't depreciate, see? So if you got enough of that along with other things, it's like it's a way of diversifying your portfolio, as they say. And it's not all just one thing. You have many different things of intrinsic value. And it just bolsters you know, the position of that holding entity. I'll just put it that way. All right. Um, do take out loans uh, to safely pull funds from your trust. I, I've already talked about that. Taking out loans. That's how you pull funds from your trust. Uh, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Where am I? How am I doing on time here, Nishiba? Sorry about that. You, you're doing uh, good on time. We got okay. like shy of a half an hour. We're good. Okay. And no questions to this point? 
Now, I'm going to um, actually ask anyone, if anyone has a question, feel free to come up, come into the queue prior to the top of the hour, star six in. And then additionally, for those who may have had the opportunity to Google or whatever search engine that you utilize, uh, trust templates, because there were several out there. And I was kind of curious to know if anyone had an opportunity to do that, and if they did, would they like to share? But no, we're, we're good. I've got eight, 838 right now is the time. Eastern, okay, Central Time. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I had a couple other things, but I want to get into a little bit of this this um, indenture aspect of this. But I'm going to say that I, I want to cover a couple more things because we're still into these strategies and understandings. And this is something uh, that I, I like to call wealth structure. Wealth structure. Uh, and the first thing is understanding the term of anonymity and, and, and basically what that means. And that's kind of what you're going for here. And that mindset of anonymity, because the, the marketed way to handle yourself is just the opposite of that. You know, it's, the flashiest, biggest, baddest, most luxurious is the way to go when you have a little something. See, that's what's being promoted. I want the Maybach, not the whatever. I want the Phantom, not the whatever. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those particular cars, okay? Not a thing. They make them every day, okay? But you went from a, a Impala to a Maybach. What the heck, you know? There's ways to do that. And I may get into a little bit of how you do that, okay? But just understand what that word anonymity means, okay? It kind of means flying under the radar. It kind of means I'm here, but you don't see me. I'm standing right in front of you. But you really, you don't see me. That's a layman's way of putting what that word means. It's just a good little mindset to have. Now, trust me, trust and believe. I am definitely a car person. And that's why I make a lot of references to certain ones. And not saying that those are the particular ones that I necessarily like, but I know about all of them. I'm more of a sports car guy. So for me, it's, you know, Ferraris or something like that or Porsches. But there's a way to do that. And I may get into that a little bit. But understand the, the, the way that it's being marketed is when you get it, flaunt it. But I'm saying understand what anonymity is and how to operate in anonymity and still obtain certain things that you may like, okay? So just that's part of wealth structure. Uh, Understanding, that's A. B is understanding your inner circle and your family tree, okay? And most people heard of family tree. Yeah, I kind of know what that is. But what's inner circle? What does that mean? Well, inner circle is essentially, I like to say inner circle is 
people who really know who you are. That's your inner circle. Not somebody you 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 just met or somebody you kind of know. Your inner circle are the people who knew you when you had diapers and when you were riding a tricycle and, and, and when you slipped and skinned your knee and all that. That's your inner circle. Those are the people that you want to kind of pay attention to and, and make sure they're in a good place because essentially they're kind of part of the reason why you're still here today because they were kind of looking out for you or they were your support system, okay? So I'm saying make sure that your inner circle is taken care of. That's who you take care of. I mean, you take care of yourself first because you have to kind of keep oxygen moving in and out, okay? And then you take care of your inner circle and then your family tree, okay? And your family tree may not necessarily be blood. And your inner circle may not necessarily be blood. But that's just kind of a, you know, a well-structured kind of thing because the people who know you, guess what? You know them too, see? So they're least likely to, you know, pull a shamalam and fake you out and hit you in the head and take your money and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I'm saying that. That's part of the wealth structure. Make sure that it's just not common knowledge that everybody you know, know that you have something. That's another one of those things that's kind of marketed. You know, I'm going back and tell Joe, because Joe was riding my back. I got to let Joe know that I'm driving a Maybach. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. See? That's how that's marketed. Take that and flush that out, please, mm -hmm. because that will get you in trouble in more than one way. You know, yeah, it's, it's a feel-good kind of thing, kind of so to speak, to some degree. And maybe you don't have that at all, but I'm just saying, let that go. There's just some things, and I talked about this uh, about when, was talking, when, when Captain mentioned about, you know, cleaning up your past. Don't let those uh, negative situations carry over. To me, that falls in the same category. Don't carry that over. Just let that go. There's no purpose in you rubbing that in somebody's face. For what? Okay, so just concentrate on the inner circle and the family tree, and the other stuff will take care of itself. And remember what, num what number one was, the anonymity. So those all kind of work together. Okay, the next one is philanthropy. Okay, and philanthropy is, you know, giving of yourself in some way. So it's not always money. That's what, you know, oh, I want to, you know, sometimes it could be just your presence. See? It could be just the fact that you showed up and participated. Because sometimes just throwing money at something is just that. You're just throwing money at something. So it's not always, well, I want to give this, you know, sometimes I'm not saying it not to do that, but being present is part of it too. You know, I participated in the food drive and the 
you know, the march or whatever, okay? You know, so sometimes it's just kind of being there. I think that is kind of part of it. And I'm telling you, that's a big one for me because that's kind of how I saw it. Well, I'll have the ability to help these people and do this and go here and flip this and, and help them. Yeah, that's just kind of throwing money at it. When you kind of show up, sometimes you may not even do those things, but you did show up and they knew, hey, you kind of understood my position and you cared enough to kind of show up. That meant everything, see? So, all right. And the last one, boy, I almost want to throw this one out. I almost want to throw it out, but I put it on here. Taxes. <laughs> I, I just got to throw that out. That's just, boy, as it stands right now, it's a reality, okay? It is what it is. But if you are structured in such a way, some of the things that I've talked about, you can probably take the S and the E and the X off of that. You know, it's a te- it's, you reduce it considerably. I'll just say that. You may not zero it out, but boy, you took a major chunk out of it. So in the structuring part of that, don't necessarily look to just completely bypass that. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying. But be mindful of it. And with the proper structuring, I'm telling you, you take that number way down. You're not you know, four, five zeros off of it, whatever it may be, you know, but yet you kind of, you know, you participated. So, uh, you know, I, it's not a posse out looking for you. And you've seen this happen many times. You're like, oh, Wesley Snipes, uh, you know, who else? I mean, the list is long. It's It's quite a few. I don't know who's on the list right now. I just, but there's always kind of somebody they're looking for for taxes and they were kind of in a good position. Then the next thing you know, it's like, Oh, you, you ain't paying your taxes. What, you know, what are you doing? You owe four, 5 million. What you owe 5 million. You know, then the next thing they're, they're off the map. So I guess that's why I kind of got it on there. It is what it is. I don't see that moving forward, but, it's something you kind of have to deal with at this particular point in time. Okay. Um, I want to move into this other thing here real quick. Okay. I have a specific type of trust and um, just want to kind of cover some of the things and I've talked about, you know, how to kind of help yourself in, you know, designating what this entity can do by one, putting it in layman's words, regular dialogue, let's say, and then transposing it into the language of the trust. Um, Let's see. In this particular entity, you have some people that are involved. And uh, I'll see here. Of how the succession is. You have what's called a settler, and most trusts have that. 
Not all. I mean, it just depends. But it's so hard to get into real specifics because there's so many different ways. But I'm just talking specifically about this. And the settler um, uh, must provide an initial funds um, for the corpus of the trust. Essentially, um, what happens is that, and this is a very unique situation, and this is part of how this trust works, and just to kind of give you an idea of how these things kind of present themselves so that you can kind of do what you need to do, okay? Um, it must be appointed in the initial trustee position. So the settler is a person that essentially they create the trust. And when I say created, I mean they essentially like register it is the creation of it. They don't necessarily write it, but they could. But by creation is meant registering, is notarizing it, putting it like on the books that it is something to be recognized. That's what creation in this particular instance means. Um, I say must be a, um, uh, appointed as the initial trustee. And, you, and a trustee is essentially the person that uh, is essentially, well, I'll, I'll actually get into that, but so I'll just say that. Uh, he can appoint an initial compliance overseer, and I'll get into what that is. And he cannot be um, active further in this trust. So essentially, he's automatically terminated once the duties are performed, and the duties are to create it. And this is a big part of what makes this entity a powerful one with respect to where it lies in this um, hierarchy of trust, because some are very basic, some are more powerful than others. And this is one of the more powerful ones, okay? So this uh, settler creates the trust. All right, and as I said, he will basically terminate that, and I'll get into that in a second here. I want to go back through who these different people were. The compliance overseer cannot be a beneficiary, and a beneficiary is another person that is involved in the trust. And essentially, that's kind of like the person that kind of gets everything, so to speak, whenever um, the trust is dissolved, let's say. Um, he can, the compliance overseer can or cannot be a trustee. So essentially what I'm saying here and what, is, what you understand is that it's possible to hold more than one position in a trust. It's just certain positions you can't be two of, but it's possible to hold more than one position. You know, you can be you know, and I'll, and I'll kind of get into that too, but that's kind of something that maybe is not understood or known that it, that, that can exist. It's like, oh, you mean I can basically almost be everyone? Uh, yeah, almost everyone um, cannot receive a salary from the trust. This is the compliance overseer, as a compliance overseer. Um, he or she can provide for... 
can be provided for reimbursement of any expenses that he incurs. He or she cannot receive um, twelve thousand. Nah, that's that's an arbitrary number. Um, that doesn't matter. Uh, he or she can receive loans from the trust. Uh, he or she can be a caretaker of the trust. That's another term. I use manager, caretaker. That's you know. Um, can be removed or replaced. Can, wait, let's, let's back up. Compliance overseer can remove and or replace trustees and beneficiaries. So a compliance overseer has like power. You would think, oh, the trustee is the main guy, but the compliance overseer can remove and or replace trustees and remove and or replace beneficiaries. That is the power position, okay? Not necessarily the trustee. Uh, the trustee um, can in fact receive a salary. So, as I said before, manager, caretaker, trustee, you, almost kind of the same thing can receive a salary. Um, he or two, he or she too can receive loans. Um, he or she can be provided for uh, reimbursement of any trust-related expenses. So not only would you be receiving a salary, but any expenses, almost like how if you work for a company and you know you're on travel and you have a travel expense and, and all those kinds of things. Same thing with the trust, but it's, it's kind of part of the job, see? So it falls under that category and it's how a trust can afford you certain things that if you did it as just on your own, it's like, it's not reimbursable it's not a tax advantage, where in this case, it would be, see? Like, for example, um, I don't know, what's a good example? Let's say renting something, you know, say you rent a car or, you, you know, rent anything. It can be attached to part of your duties with respect to maintaining the trust in some fashion, see? So it's not just an expense and it just goes out the window. It actually is um, to your advantage. I'll just say it that way. Uh, let's see. He or she can be the caretaker of the trust, caretaker of trust property. There we go. He or she can be a caretaker of the trust property. Okay. And what, see the trust and the trust property, it's kind of like, you know, potato, potato, but it, it's significant when you understand that the trust is like an empty box. But the property is that are those assets 
once you actually attach them to the trust, in a sense, they become the trust, but really the trust is like an empty box that holds things, but it's virtual. It's kind of like this bubble in the sky. You can't see it, but it's there. Okay, and then the last one here is the beneficiary. And of course, they cannot be a trustee because then it's kind of like you can just be everything. And the beneficiary are the, they're like the receivers of what's in the box once the box is dissolved. Um, let's see. So that's all I want to say about that. Okay, let's go into this body here real quick. How much time do I got? I just want to cover a couple of things. Um, it talks about, okay. You're good. The power of the trust. Um, general powers to do all such acts, take all such proceedings, and exercise all such rights and privileges in the management of trust estates, of the trust estate, including obtaining and managing bank accounts uh, as if they were an absolute owner thereof, including and without limiting the generality of the terms, the following. Okay, you have the power to sell and it gets into detail of what that means, power to hold, manage, operate, control, repair, preserve, improve, um, partition, divide, subdivide, sell, uh, convey, exchange, convert, grant. Um, see, these are like when you really get into the format, uh, the power to lease, okay? Um, it goes into detail about that, uh, let's see. Uh, properties including oil, gas, uh, other mineral interests, uh, let's see, do, do, do. and to enter into pooling, uh, utilization, uh, repressurization. I mean, it's, you know, there's things that you don't necessarily even think about that you write in here that you know, gives you these certain abilities. Um, power to loan and invest. Um, to loan and reloan. Invest and reinvest the trust estates or any part thereof. Um, power to manage securities. Uh, to vote stock. And I said that a, a trust couldn't vote. And when I talked about couldn't vote, I meant as far as, you know, elections, those kinds of things. But with respect to investments, absolutely, okay? Um, give proxies. Um, it's on and on here. Um, power to hold securities uh, in name of a nominee. Um, power to insure. Power to insure. How about that? Uh, power to borrow and hypothenticate trust assets. That's an essential word there. 
uh, you have two, two, two power words there, uh, hypothecate and monetize, okay? And uh, monetizing is essentially turning something into money. some asset, turning it into money. Hypothecating is um, – how can I describe this? Um, using using money – let's see. No, I don't want to use that term, money. Using um, – What's, what's the term I want to use here? Um, there's a term here, and it's it's, it's slipping. Um, I'll tell you what. I have this somewhere else. I, I want to. I definitely want to hit this one because those are terms that you'll hear, and I just think it's kind of important to kind of know what those things are here. Hold on one second. I'll pull that right up here. Oh. Uh, I'll use these every day, but I want to kind of get it right. Okay, hypothecate and monetize. Um, let's see. I said monetizing was basically turning money into or 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 assets or items into money. You know, changing a car into money, changing a painting into money. Uh, hypothecating is changing money. I'll just call them money projects or products, you know, checks, uh, stocks, bonds, um, uh, money market, you know, those type of items into money, money products into money. That's hypothecating. That's a very simple way of putting it. So a trust can do those things as well. Like I said, essentially anything a person can do. Uh, let's see. Power to retain trust property. These are these things I'm reading are some of the indenture within a trust. Some of the terminology, some of the phrasing that you will see in an actual trust. Um, two, 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 two. power to compromise claims. I mean, you can write anything in here. I mean, I think that's really just the beauty of this. Um, boy, there's a misspelled word here. This is just, this is kind of like a template. So that's something else you want to definitely make sure about your trust when you look at it. There can be no misspelled words. I don't care if you don't know how to spell it. Make sure you know how to spell it so you know that it's spelled right. Because any misspelled word puts, um, it almost essentially eliminates the entire document. Now, if you find that there's a word that's misspelled, you can go in there and correct it and initial it and, and, and get it right. But it has to be perfect. Uh, let's see. Trustees' discretion. 
limitations of trustees power get into that um, payment of death taxes because i mean there there is tax implications even within a trust so that's what i'm saying you don't completely eliminate that but through certain ways that it operates other entities that are involved you can take that number to a very small small number with respect to what the assets may be within there um, compensation to the trustee payment to minors accounting uh, there's this there can be a lot there can be a lot um, let's see number and gender as used herein the masculine feminine and neuter gender each includes the other the singular plural each include the other you know and it goes on a little bit further but you know it just covers you know any kind of where there could be some question you know I talked about you know gender if there's any question about that and make sure that it covers that as well because you know even that can kind of get a little sticky um, it's just uh, it's a beautiful thing I, I'll, I'll just say that um, and then of course you have an area where it is signed and um, that's part of what you would show to the bank and you would show basically your cover which basically gives the name you know um, what state whatever you know basic information like that um, let's see that's um well that's i mean it's hard to cover everything okay and i, I hope that this kind of opened the door a little bit to kind of understanding i mean i would say that there is more but you know from moving to getting into more it would have to be a little bit more detailed because like i say there's so many different options of ways you can go with this and what applies to Joe doesn't apply to Mary and vice versa so for me to try to cover everything in great detail it just kind of gets so convoluted to you almost more confused than just kind of keeping it simple and exposing that it's not something to fear I'll just say that it's something to really gravitate to because for me, what I believe is that it gives you a, a great deal of peace of mind, okay? It's like knowing you have an alarm system on your house or something, you know? Yeah, it doesn't keep them from breaking in the window, but you know, you know some you know, better peace of mind and assurance that if they do break in, you'll at least know and somebody else will know. And, you know, it's kind of that, you know, it just, it just puts you in a different state of mind, especially 
when you have a lot. But, you know, that is a relative thing to say you have a lot because no matter what you have, if somebody takes it from you, it still feels the same. It's your stuff. You still want it. So, and it's mine, I want it, okay? So you wanna kind of be able to protect and maybe pass on to, you know, someone else. So um, I, I think that, you know, again, if there are any questions about this kind of stuff, I can go into much, much greater detail. And with respect to the, the, you know, the classifications and all those kinds of things, as well as some of the other strategies that I didn't necessarily get into because there, there are many more, you know, depending on what you're trying to do. But I want to kind of put some of them out there to give you some kind of concept as to how these things work and, and, and where you can kind of take it and how it can be useful for anyone. Because for the most part, for me, and I talked about that, the inner circle family tree, I didn't put that one at the top, but it's number two, okay? And for me, that's kind of the, a big piece of this in that it helps you keep that ball rolling, so to speak, whereby in most cases, people don't know or understand how you, you, know, you can. So what ends up happening is what is acquired gets dispersed to whomever, whatever, and it just goes wherever it goes. Where with this, it is contained and it just moves on from one generation to the next generation, kind of like that, how it should work, okay? Because let's say your assets are all the photos that you have for your family so that little Johnny knows what Aunt Belle looks like and what Aunt Belle did when she was in high school. And although it could be something that simple, but if that stuff is kind of dispersed and it's like, oh, well, I heard about Aunt Belle, but I don't know who she really is. Or it could be, you know, uh, a real-to-real -real movie of Aunt Belle when she was playing basketball or something. I don't know. So, you know, sometimes you don't really think about it, but there's certain things that may not be valuable monetarily, but they're valuable in other ways. And like I say, you want to kind of keep that all together and, and moving forward from generation to generation. And that's kind of part of when I say, well, the, the, the systems, and I'll, and I'll finish here, that the system is changing. So a lot of what I talked about may not even be applicable, but the whole what I'm talking about now, that separation of my stuff and your stuff. I'm keeping all of my stuff together so that I can just kind of pick it up as one thing and say, okay, little Johnny, you got the ball now, you run with it. See? And little Johnny can kind of keep that going so that little Bobby knows what I was all about and what I did and so on and so forth. That's kind of how I see this moving forward. Not so much of protecting from somebody hitting me in the head, all that kind of thing. It's more of, here's all my stuff, you got it, now you take it. It will be more of that than anything. 
moving forward. So that's pretty much all I have, Nashiba. Well, I really appreciate it because some of us, for one thing, may have never known about it or have always had um, a curiosity about it or, and and also potentially thought of it as it only went to a certain economic part of our community were the only ones that had access to it. That's mm-hmm. big, one of the big reasons why I wanted to cover it because what you clearly discuss is it's not that. Right. It's something that's accessible to everybody. And mm-hmm. clearly from last week to this week, so all I've ever thought is, gosh, I really would, wish I'd have known or looked into this long time ago because I would have applied those kind of strategies, you know, because mm-hmm. I think they're more beneficial this mm-hmm. way than other ways. Yes. Yes. And, so, no, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and, boy, you hit it right on the head. And it it just... I like options, okay? Mm-hmm. And this just gives you more options. Exactly. And, you know, it's almost like, think about if you do tax forms or anything like that. I used to do tax tax forms and all those types of things, and I used to actually help people with their taxes. And um, you look at all those different blocks that don't apply to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, this doesn't apply. That, oh, that definitely doesn't apply. It basically opens up the possibility of you being able to use some of those boxes and, and areas that don't apply to you, then they start to apply to you and you can take advantage of them. So more options is a good thing. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. So I hope that was very, this discussion has been very helpful uh, to everyone. If you do pop up, you know, sometimes in a discussion like that, since it's so, in, you know, intense, and the subject matter and the layers within it. So if any of you have additional questions or comments that come up, feel free to go onto the blog eSpirity-Radio7, period, blogspot.com. There's a uh, contact form on there. You can fill that out if, you know, after the show's over, even after you've listened to the archives and those questions start popping in, feel free to fill out that, that form, and then we can address those uh, particular questions. Because I know another layer of it is let me try to digest all you know, all the all this stuff mm-hmm. that I've just learned and whatnot. And that can take a minute. That doesn't always happen at the time of discussion. And so that's why the form is available to you to do things like that. And that's what any of the calls, but especially when they get really intense, you know, like, like this. But I think Max did a, a pretty good de- a job of delving into it, giving those examples, put that at ha moment going, because I've had several myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um those are hot moments, and uh, we really appreciate having these kinds of discussions, and we're going to continue to expand on the dis- discussion. And if you notice throughout the discussion last week and, and this week that since we know things are going to evolve to a different level, the infrastructure of how it's currently being discussed, either terminology or something about the methodology may very well change once that goes into play, but at least you'll have a framework of understanding, you know, what the context is. And I think that'll go a long way as opposed to coming in totally blind. Yeah. I agree. Oh, totally, totally. Mm -hmm. Because I think I know it's somewhat foreign to me. I mean, I've heard about it, but I never in my life honestly looked into them. Yes. And, well, you know, to some degree, that's kind of by design. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that belief that, oh, you know, this really doesn't apply to you. Mm-hmm. But 
that that couldn't be further from the truth. Exactly. But the belief <laughs> is, uh, you, you're not really, you're not there yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So now I appreciate all the work you do in, in, in general is to raise the conversation to another level, especially in light of the ev- evolution that we're currently going to and what will apply, how will it apply, how will it potentially change. And at least I say kind of twinkling your toes in the water, so to speak, I think goes a long, long way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, I like uh, the way it was described to me, and I go back to the UCC thing, and I, I basically told the story. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea of there being this door, and you can kind of open it and see, oh, that's what's in this room. Mm-hmm. That's how this is. It's kind of, oh, that's what, you know, it's kind of that. Oh yeah, I can kind of, you know, you know, do work with some of these things in this room. It's not off limits to me. Exactly. You know, but it's portrayed that uh don't worry what's behind that room. That doesn't apply to you. Mhm. That's not true. Exactly. Yes. Now, everyone is as always this will be archived if you have missed any portion of this particular call, the archives will be available as as always, and as always, we'll, we'll uh, Friday. We pre- I believe, believe we're pretty much going to have another grab bag. Uh, Captain will be back, and we never know where we're going in those discussions because there's so many layers involved with that topic in and of itself. <laughs> it's, it's, and I've been kind of on a, on a quest to come at it, to kind of expand that, and, and to a great degree, try to step away a little bit from the monetary the side of it because there's so many other layers of it that really talk about setting priorities. There are other layers involved that really are honestly more important. Yeah. Not to say, it's not, it's not to say money's not important because everybody's in whatever scenario that they're currently in, but there's more to the story that honestly needs to be told to, to broaden the overall context of it. So we will continue to move in, in that direction. And and if I may add to that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I kind of talked a little bit about this when I talked about the base, Mm -hmm. you know, having that good base, you know, and and that that covers so many different things that it's almost like if your base is in place, it doesn't matter what the subject matter is, Mm -hmm. see, because you've built this, this really good foundation of understanding almost like in general how things work mm-hmm. see so it's not if there may be some kind of terminology that may be foreign to you but you understand how things work so it's very easy to be acclimated into a, a certain scenario and and take off with it as opposed to like i say trying to hit this home run and that's kind of all you know i just need to hit a home run Oh, you mean I got to run around the bases? I didn't know about that part, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Oh, there's bases and there's running? Oh, boy. You know? So. I have yeah. to participate, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All I thought I had to do was just hit it. Oh, there, I got to run? Oh, man. You know? Yeah. So, again, we're going to continue on that, that uh, quest because there is so much more to that story, to the story of the blessing. And and who we 
ultimately owe thanks to for even allowing that to be a part of the equation, period. And and that's that's worthy to be praised. And it's worthy to have better knowledge and a better understanding of that. So with that said, everyone, peace and love, love and light. We're going to ride it out um, with uh, Groovatech, and this is called uh, Let Me Change. We'll see you again on Friday.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.